one. And we are recording with the one and only Mr. John Barnwell, who still has his wreath up. He refuses to let go of Christmas. He said that he will go out in a blaze of glory if anyone tries to stop him from continuing to celebrate Christmas. And I think he should be informed that no one's going to try to stop him. But I'm not going to tell you what to do. And if you want to continue and have a stand arm, uh, stand uh, an armed standoff with the SWAT team, then that's up to you. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put my fingers on the scales. You have me on mute here. <laughs> You're muted. Yes, I can hear you. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. It says, yeah. "Oh, that's mute." That's like if if I want to mute. Okay. But different, uh, different stream yeah. service than I. Yeah. Use. But um. For everybody that's uh, a new subscriber, Mr. Barnwell, please introduce yourself, my man. Well, my name is John Barnwell, and I'm living north of Detroit and have been there for a long time. My family goes way back in the Detroit area, on my mother's side specifically. And uh, I'm a author. I have two books. Might as well get it out of the way. Arcana of the Grail Angel. Yeah, Arcana of the Grail Angel is one. I got mountains of books falling all over the place here. This is my first volume. It's uh, you got me on reversal. So no, 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 no. It's it's mirrored. I can see. Oh, oh, okay. The Arcana of the Grail Angel, spiritual science of the Holy Blood and of the Holy Grail, a study developed out of the work of Gus Steiner of the underground streams which flow from the Brotherhood of the Holy Grail to the Order of the Knights Templar to the True Rosicrucian Order. And that's some 640 pages with extensive diagrams based on the hand-drawn watercolor diagrams we found in a box that were done by Ernst Pfeiffer, the founder of Biodynamic Gardening and, and a direct student under Rudolf Steiner. Here's my second volume, The Arcana of Light on the Path. And that has a full series of what I call grail diagrams. And uh, they help you work through the cosmology and uh, try to gain a deeper understanding of esoteric Christianity or true Rosicrucianism. This underground stream in the West, based on the work of Rudolf Steiner. And if you wanted to get those, you can contact me through uh, you can go to my, uh, it's kind of dicey now because for whatever reason, I got, it got bumped off uh, eBay, but uh, you can go to my channel on YouTube and there's a link to my academia webpage. You can contact me there. And uh, so that's good. And I will put that link in the description. So okay. you can go subscribe to him on YouTube because uh, John is controlled opposition by the state and that's why he's still on YouTube. <laughs> and he comes on here to provide the illusion of, of discourse between two warring factions. But in the end, it's all controlled from the top down. John and I are but pawns for the peons. Um, now that's not the CIA hat. No. You got to get the CIA that's the one hat. You want. There you that's are. The one you <laughs> there you are. It's all the way to the bottom. We've got controls on everything. Um, so, Well, this is the Cosmic Intelligence Agency. It's uh, a different group. That's above CIA. Yeah. <laughs> What is uh so just uh kind of off the cuff, what is are the Holy Grail and the Ark of the Covenant as a uh, as a mere ignoramus, an Irish pig toiling in the fields, are they the same thing? Are they different? Well, there's a relationship. I mean, 
if you get into studying, I don't need that right now. If you get into studying uh, the esoteric tradition, you see that there's many footprints throughout history that have been uh, strewn about like, like pollen, you know, by, by the, what we call leaders of mankind, the people that are manifesting in our current span of time, uh, future stages of uh, development that, that we are to move into. And uh, so that that becomes quite an interesting quest because it also includes things like fairy tales and myths and legends and certain things that have been kind of mummified in these occult societies. But uh, really the stream that, that I hearken to can be traced back to the school that was founded by St. Paul in Athens with Dionysius the Areopagite and the whole doctrine of the angelic hierarchies. You know, the angels, archangels, archai, uh, exousiae, dunamis, curiotes, thrones, cherubim, seraphim. So those are the classic designations. And that is something that uh, it's a very deep study and Rudolf Steiner is the most prolific and the most in-depth uh, individual that presents that particular tradition. Being that his collected edition is some 36 and a half feet of shelf space of his, the material that's now in print, which includes some 6,786 or so lectures and 50 published books and articles and, and uh, tremendous buildings that he built, the first Gertianum that was burned and was made entirely of wood with no screws or nails, uh, tongue and groove and pegs. And that, that happened to burn a hundred years ago. And uh, the second Gertianum was the largest court, poured concrete building in the world. Uh, but the society centers itself in Dornach, Switzerland. And uh, it's just, uh, incredible studying it. I mean, I've studied it for what, 45, 50 years. I first found out about Rudolf Steiner when I was in gym class in junior high and the guy next to me who ended up becoming one of my best friends said to me, he turned to me and he said, have you ever heard of Rudolf Steiner? And I hadn't, but it like, it rang a bell in my heart. Hmm. And he also mentioned uh, Ospensky, but Ospensky to me is more of an intellectual pursuit, whereas Rudolf Steiner is a, a bona fide initiate as far as I'm concerned. You, would, you couldn't be consistent. See, his work is internally consistent. And that begs the question, how in the world could somebody make up that much stuff and still maintain internal consistency? It's not humanly possible. So he's speaking from something out of his direct experience. He's a sieve to something or from something. Yeah, he represents uh, uh, he's a the, ability, the ability to be able to go beyond the, the realm of the physical world as we know it. He's Aldous Huxley's mind at large. He's the faucet to a larger... The consistency shows that it can't all be bullshit, which means he's seeing something that you and I, or maybe most people, don't. But the cons it'd be like if uh, only one person in the world had a sense of smell. 
and they cataloged every <laughs> smell. And we could, even if we couldn't smell, we could still look at his 36 and a half feet of smell charts. And when we did discover, uh, you know, olfactory <laughs> nerves, we'd be like, no, it's consistent. Like, you know, a rose smells like a rose, a chocolate smells like a, we'd have to conclude that this individual has a sense that we don't, and we would call it a nose, but the, it can't be bullshit. It's not even the best fictional author can't be that yeah. consistent. I mean, I, most people can't tell you what they had for breakfast yesterday, <laughs> let alone being consistent over years and years and years. Yeah. And, and speaking usually with uh, maybe uh, just one note card with two names on it and a couple dates or something like yeah. that. You know, he wasn't like, because European lecturers, a lot of them, they, they call them readers because they have a paper and they sit up there and they read their paper before an audience, you know, and take questions. Uh, he didn't do that. He, uh, he worked out of his uh, abilities. And so consequently, uh, to, in order to really assess his, his work, you have to keep in mind that he says that although this aligns, and I'm paraphrasing, although this aligns with other, other presentations of similar material from other places, his work is not derivative from any of those sources. It's entirely based on his own personal experience. Hmm. And so he's not beholding to any secret groups or anything like that he's not following a school of thought or well it's he's able to dip in and out of different schools of thought and show how they interweave i mean this is this is the most difficult subject that one can study uh as far as i'm concerned because it involves the mysteries of time and uh, rudolstein is very clear that people have evolved over time and in major ways and and so when you look at like say ancient egypt for example we're not the same our consciousness is different uh, you, at the further back in time the more clairvoyant the general population was and after what rudolf steiner describes as the turning point in time which is the mystery of golgotha which is the, the incarnation the and crucifixion of of Christ, yes, the place of the skull. I always remember that term from Catholic school. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so it's kind of like what what uh, the conversation between C.S. Lewis and Owen Barfield, or I mean, and uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, the author of Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. They're walking with Dyson, another one of their circle, and 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 I have to paraphrase again, but C.S. Lewis is saying, well, yeah, all this stuff in the Bible, all the myths and the legendary accounts, that's all, that's all very good, wholesome stuff. And Tolkien turns to him and says, but it's true. <laughs> and C.S. Lewis had his eureka moment and he became ultimately the biggest radio personality at that time, back, you know, before we were born. And so uh, it, it begs another, yet another question, because when you look at, at individuals like that, and then you look at uh, the presence of Owen Barfield in that Oxford circle, the Inklings as they're called, and then there's Charles Williams, who is a member of a 
Hermetic Magical Society with Arthur Edward Waite called The Golden Dawn. And you get into it and you start looking at things and you look at like uh, T.S. Eliot, the, the award-winning poet, uh, going on German radio and saying that he thought that the path into the future was through the work of Rudolf Steiner. And so even if you're not interested in things that are esoteric, you, you, you'd want to know, well, what is this thing that, that's tied into the creation of Waldorf schools, the largest private education system all over the world? And there's systems of dance and, and lectures on music, science, astronomy, uh, and really uh, organic gardening. You can go on and on. It's just, it's, it, it's a cultural impulse that, that is truly profound and, and uh, Yet, yet it doesn't proselytize, you know, that it's just, all he said was basically uh, a healthy suspension of disbelief. That's all that's required for somebody to investigate it. And it seems like it's kind of, in a way, protected from your, your abstract materialists because they fall asleep when they read it. Yeah. Right? And they don't realize that's because it's like they're going into the spiritual world, which is where you go when you sleep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they think that they, they interpret it as, oh, it must be boring. Boring. Fall asleep. <laughs> really, yeah, so it's kind really... of funny. But so I, I, I don't recommend listening to recordings of his lectures while you're driving a car. <laughs> <laughs> um, to go back to what you said kind of towards the beginning, what were the, the, the levels of angels? Is that a hierarchy or are those just higher, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the text that's come forward, it uh, came out, it was uh, originally written down in the sixth century by a representative of that school. All the leaders of that school took on the name Dionysius. So they sometimes publish it as pseudo Dionysius, like, because they know from linguistic analysis that, well, this can't be from the guy who was talking to St. Paul because it's sixth century Greek, right? And, mm. and But Rudolf Steiner says, well, that's because the leaders of the school took on his name after him. And so it was an oral tradition that eventually came to be written down. And then uh, the uh, emperor of the Eastern Empire in, in uh, Constantinople uh, sent a copy as a gift to the court of Charles the Bald, the, the Carolingian uh, Holy Roman Emperor, and uh, was translated out of Greek into Latin. And uh, But you have uh, Johannes Scotus Aragina, the Irishman, who is a tremendous philosopher. I mean, like... Uh, when you, if you read somebody like him, you, you, you almost have to say, I didn't know there were people that smart. I mean, because this guy's like synthesizing the, the wisdom of the ancient world like nobody's business, you know. And so it, it's funny today because, you know, I'm kind of old fashioned. I use these, I, I use these things that are called books, you know, and I was one of the top, uh, rare book specialists in the world uh, specializing in the history of ideas and and uh, esoteric studies and 
also natural healing and all kinds of things. You know, I ran the largest bookstore of that type in the world for many years. And a lot of the prominent authors and spiritual leaders and monks and yogis and uh, uh, you name it, all manner of mystics and, and alternative science people, and they would all come through. It was like a pilgrimage going to the Mayflower here in Detroit. And Detroit was really an active center at that time. Most of the, the organizations had operations that were going on in this area. You know, this is where the auto industry was. And Detroit used to be like, they used to call it the Paris of the Midwest. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know, I could compare it with some other cities, but I won't, I won't bother. I mean, it's, it's a shadow of its former self. But nonetheless, uh, it, uh, we sold, according to uh, sources I have, we sold more of Rudolf Steiner's material than anybody <clears throat> in, the, in the world. Right. And eventually, I think it helped inspire the society to move their headquarters for North America in Ann Arbor because it was in this area, you know. And so there's a very active uh, people uh, working within the work of Rudolf Steiner that have come through the Detroit area. And I knew many of them. We used to have a group called the Manasseh Club. And it was a gathering of people that were going to the Waldorf Institute of Teacher Training. My best buddy, Douglas Gabriel, who I've done a great many podcasts with. In fact, I've been doing a, a biography podcast, a conversation with him. It's done, I've done about 13 episodes or so with him. But he's a fascinating individual and my best friend. And he was part of that circle. And in fact, when I left the bookstore, he took my place. And, but he was the protege of the founder of the Waldorf Institute Teacher Training, which was Werner Glass. And Werner Glass was a student of Walter Johannes Stein, who wrote the ninth century world history in the light of the Holy Grail and was a direct pupil of Rudolf Steiner's. And see, it's, it's quite interesting because he, he was the leading Grail researcher within anthroposophy, right? And uh, so it's, it's a fascinating uh, undertaking and it's a quest. It's all about improving your questions. I don't claim to have answers. I, I just think that I could probably help people come up with some more interesting questions as they, as they go through their journey. And people want to go into greater levels of complexity. But the important thing to understand is that the real key is to be able to gain a, a real clear relationship with these things. I'm just, I'm just digging up something here that is relative to what we're talking about here. Uh, here it is, I believe. Yeah. Uh, the uh, German romantic poet, uh, Friedrich, uh, Friedrich von Hardenberg, who, go, who wrote by the name of Novalis, he said, the highest and the purest is the most common and the most understandable. Hence, elementary geometry is higher than higher geometry. The more difficult, the more intricate a science, the more derived, the more impure, and the more mixed. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's, it's a bit of a conundrum because it's, it's very complex, but it's, it's based on being able to bring things into uh, this simple, 
uh, worldview, you know, the, the basically the Trinitarian worldview that that is. So you see there's nine hierarchies. Well, there's three groups of three, right? That's nine. And then if you go into the, and you include the Trinity, then that's 12. That's another important number. And so it's, it has to do with uh, the esoteric application of number. And Rudolf Steiner says, anytime a number is mentioned in scripture, it's meaningful. And, and it's, it's kind of funny because he, it uh, can be confusing to people because he says, well, we're an ordinary person trained in modern uh, you know, scientific ideas. And I'm paraphrasing again. He said, were they to read scripture, they would just have to set it aside as an interesting group of stories. And, but yet uh, he also says that mankind won't even come to understand everything that's in there until the end of earth evolution. Mm -hmm. So in looking at that, you go back to what, what uh, Hegel, the great philosopher said, he, he's, he, and again, I'm paraphrasing, but he's saying that, you know, the Bible is, is remarkable in that the simplest person can, can read it and follow its guidance, or in the, some of the greatest and deepest minds have spent their lives, you know, grappling with its content. So it's something that's, that's interesting because, because Christ came for all mankind uh, we all have access to him as, as an actual being. Yeah, I think, I think it can be said that simplicity is the highest form of intelligence, right? And that's not, that's not a unique statement. That's obviously not mine, but the, yeah, there is something about like derivatives of derivatives and the more complex and you wouldn't understand. And it's like, no, to truly understand something, you should be able to explain it to a layman on a bus in 10 minutes. Right. If you really got a grasp on uh, Formula One racing, you should be able to lay it down. Yeah, like at least just... at least to the groundwork, you know, yeah. and, and, and that's the idea. And so when you look in the tradition in the West, uh, again, a lot of it was conveyed with symbols. And so you you would look, go, like, say you went to Shard Cathedral. Then one of the monks would take you around and show you various stained glass and, and paintings and carvings and give you an oral uh, teaching. And, and that's something that a lot of people don't realize, that these were great centers of learning were somebody to avail themselves of that and then but yet you also have the that whole idea that Steiner said that in ancient cultures it's like the the architecture is clearly pointed at uh, a, a direction that that it's about these super sensible beings but the church itself a church or a cathedral, it's a space that is only complete when there's a bunch of people in the building. Hmm. It's that's the completion of of its mission. It's 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 really different from the secluded uh, centers of the ancient mysteries. That it's something that's that's for uh, the community. 
Because again, like I said, Christ came for all mankind. He didn't just come for a secret group or something like that. And, and it's interesting because in this day and age, I mean, I hear so much from other people with their podcasts and they start talking about what they think this is about or the Templars or Freemason. And they generally just show that they don't understand the development of those venerable institutions. And yes, they, a great many venerable institutions, including the church have been uh, kind of overrun by adversarial forces, Mm -hmm. really. You look at it, and and uh, that's the reality that that they're they're looking at. But they don't know that. They think that the the origin of these is based in some kind of uh, devious plot, and that's just not true at all. The origin, as opposed to the origin, as opposed to what's going on today. For as opposed example. to mo- okay, so you went to the P two lodge in Italy, right? And yeah, they ended up with the guy hanging off the bridge, right? You know, there's they become secret groups become avenues to to uh, become conduits of power, you know, and that that's not the that was not what was originally intended. See, and and the the concentration of power uh, because of the nature of mankind, it just doesn't work out good. So as opposed to being pure at inception and then over time and just give enough time and man will corrupt it, there's an idea that they were started as as corrupt nefarious forces disguising themselves as pure. Yeah, that's 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 that second narrative is the one I hear often, which just uh, well based on the work of Rudolf Steiner isn't the case, you know, and so it behooves one to, to look at things more closely and but materialists tend to they want to find the simple answer it's a, that's a double-edged sword on that quotation of novellus because just because he's saying that that the the more basic fundamental geometry is more profound it doesn't mean that he wants you to be simplistic in your thinking see that's that's the subtlety of someone like novellus who is just absolutely astounding individual you know and uh you know when you get into understanding uh the development of culture over time and you learn to appreciate and i've studied world cultures all over i used to teach uh world history and american history in a master's program you know and i got the books i've written all the research that i've dedicated myself to and it's to try and come to terms with the mystery of time you know and like for example this here here's a this is a bibliography i assembled of ancient egypt and ancient mesopotamia and it's uh one of the largest private egyptology collections in egyptology and mesopotamia study collections in the world in private hands and so it's not like I haven't looked, see. And so when, like with that, what I do, I, I fulfilled a, a relational database where you could look up subject like, say, canopic jars in the Middle Kingdom, and it would tell you where to look, right? So that's what that is. 
it's it's a filing system of course it's outdated the data system we used that was many years ago but uh nonetheless it, i i guess i want to say that i it's not like i haven't tried to to find uh, flaws in rudolf steiner's work and and the more i investigate it you know there's things coming out still that that support his indications you know uh, i i did a show uh, recently with a gentleman who who was in Tintagio, right? And, and, and he's doing studies uh, relative to the paleontology and, and the archaeology of the area and looking into it and totally supportive of what Rudolf Steiner had said about it being an Iron Age uh, mystery center of the Arthurian mysteries, you know, and they'd always thought, well, it really wasn't they weren't really doing anything there till the Middle Ages. Now, I recently have found uh, th these remnants of, of what Rudolf Steiner was talking about. And so, <laughs> or, or with planetary motion, you know, for example, the whole idea of the, the spiral movement of the planets, that the planets are actually yeah, following after, after yeah. this. Well, he talked about that back in the in like the teens and twenties. Oh shit! You know, back when everybody was still in this like Copernican disc, you know. And so, no, this is this is profound stuff. And if you if you are feeling that just uh, the general discourse isn't uh, fulfilling your appetite, it's it's the greatest place to look I know of. So, who's alive today? Who's a Steiner today that's making observations and predictions that we, that won't fully be appreciated till 2120? Well, I think that there's there's people that have pieces, but there, there tends to be uh, in in the various periods leading individuals to come out and they put forward what they put forward. And that becomes the corpus on which uh, the people that come after tend to focus their studies. So before him, you could say, well, Thomas Aquinas, and Aquinas, by the way, the second most quoted source in his work besides the Bible was the writings of Dionysius the Areopagite on the celestial hierarchies. And so, and then before him with Aristotle, you know, so you have these people that are leading individuals, they come down and they basically give you a whole body of knowledge, and then it becomes a question of individuals taking up uh, initiatives in the various uh, subjects, because so, it really is too much. I mean, I, I've only got, I don't know what it is, I've only got maybe 15 or 20 feet of, of his work here, right? And, and that's, that's not even half. Well, maybe around half, you know, so, and I'm not going to pretend that I have have been able to absorb, let alone because some of uh, my recent acquisitions even got around to reading them yet. So it's a it's a life journey, and and there are people that focus on one particular facet of his work and make that their life's work. You know, there's curative centers, there's people doing architecture, there's uh, a theater very active theater activity you know he wrote a miss several mystery dramas and the gertianum was uh, a place for them to be 
presented. And, and the, also they put on uh, Goethe's Faust, which is a, a yearly festival there. And Goethe being uh, the Shakespeare of the German language and basically an, an initiate of very high a stature at that time, you know, contemporary with Beethoven, his friend, and Mozart. And, I mean, what a time to live and be able to have access. That's the key is now we have access. Back, back in the, that time, if you were Duke so-and-so, yeah, you'd go to the opera house and go see- uh, Go poke around. Whatever, you know, but the, the, if the regular populace wanted to be exposed to it, there'd be all this crowd of people standing around outside the building listening, trying to hear what was going on in there. As people are having their, their brain structure literally reformed through listening to Beethoven, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's serious stuff because uh, that is how you uh, develop. You know? and, and to be able to encounter uh, enriching experiences. You know, Goethe said the eye was created by light to receive light so that you, you see that uh, morphology that's involved in, in the spiritual scientific view of things. See, so that that's how, that's how things come into being is through ac our activity. See? It's it's inside out and backwards yeah. the way most people look at things. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting idea though of Steiner and Aquinas is. It's almost like every couple hundred or thousand years, like somebody gets a download. Somebody yeah, gets yeah. a divine download, and they they grab it all. It's like grabbing a bunch of you know, it's like being I don't know like a CIA agent like you and me, and uh, you know being somewhere and grab a you grab a bunch of folders off out of some classified lab and you bring them back and you're like all right i got this load and then it takes a couple of weeks to go through it all and you're like we you know it's going to be a while before i can grab another handful but instead it's over hundreds of years and somebody comes along they get the download they write it all down and they're like all right chew on this for 500 years yeah and right we kind of yeah we get to the end of it and kind of like the, the the light creating the eye once we're finished with it there's like a hunger for more and then some some guy gets born and he's like, I got an idea and writes another 40 feet of lectures and then we're satiated for a little longer. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of like that. And so uh, what's interesting though, is that when you, when you get into it, you realize when you, when you start to assess modern uh, scientific understanding, uh, you see that actually the, the ones in modern science that, that come closest to uh, Rudolf Steiner's observations are the the uh, astrophysicists you know, that mm. they that which is kind of odd, but it's it's uh, understandable because again they're being able to finally realize, although they don't even know it because of the what Gerald Massey called the orthodox conspiracy of silence. They probably haven't even heard of Rudolf Steiner, but they're thinking that they're discovering something new through their mathematics but, that he was explaining, you know, but uh, to, to 100 me, years ago. To me, that makes Steiner all the more valuable 
are all Absolutely. the more impressive is when someone makes a discovery in their minds, independent from someone. If if you and I are locked in a cave and we've never had an interaction with the world, and then we discovered trigonometry, to me that that gives more weight to trigonometry because we discovered it independent of someone it's you know like yeah. the idea of the pyramid was like discovered by different civilizations who are never in touch with one another and it's like yeah until you understand load load bearing structures and steel the best way to build something tall is to have a you know a huge base and diminishing as you go up to me that gives a little more oomph to the well yeah get, get tremendous uh because uh, if, if you get it real the, yeah, there's something actually there. It's an empirical, objective observation of the fabric of our reality. And then if you can look at that, you would then have to go, well, what else did Steiner say? If he's right about this, what else is he saying? Yeah, it's just, it's worth, it's definitely worth looking into. And like I said, I've done it for some 45, 50 years and I'm still at it. And trust me, I'd be the first to walk away if I started finding holes, as I've walked away from other people, I don't want to uh, rain on anybody's parade, so I'm not going to mention any, any names. <laughs> I don't know why that came up. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I knew people that knew him. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, he That's went to wild. U of M. Yeah. Uh, I, well, I tried to I tried to get him on the podcast, and the prison where he is was not uh, pleased with me contacting them. <laughs> seriously no no adx florence it's out in colorado it's the domestic guantanamo i i contacted yeah. them in like 2020 they were not they didn't think it was funny well geez yeah. well yeah i i tend to kind of uh get too close for comfort on some things where where i'm living now when i moved here uh before i had moved here i was uh talking to someone and they told me that they were an engineer, but they were uh, involved now in computer, large computer storage facilities. And I said, oh, your biggest clients, the NSA. NSA. And he said, yeah, but I don't understand why they want to build a, a center in Toronto. I said, oh, you didn't know they were international? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're in Australia. They've got wasn't so, Pine Base or Green Pine or whatever the fuck Pine Gap. Is. Pine Gap. Green yeah. Pine. Actually, Green Pine wasn't Canada, but that wasn't the NSA. That was uh, Curtis LeMay. Was, so anyway, so yeah. I do this. So like a week or two later, as I'm moving into my current residence, uh, we're loading in and a 99-foot-long black-on-black-on-black Chinook helicopter parks himself like maybe 50 feet above my driveway and just hangs out there for about 10 minutes. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's cool. You know, the guy, uh, I'd love to go have a cup of coffee with the guy flying the thing. You know, yeah. he, again, there, there is all this network of things, but there are human beings all over the place and that are uh, reachable as a human being. Yeah. Right, that the, that it's not this monolith. That there's human beings involved, and so there's a great deal of destiny in in how you're going to relate to it, hmm. right? And and you have to be able to to see the goodness in others. That's the challenge: is to get past your sympathy, antipathy, worldview. That's where you find clarity. You don't find it until you get past your sympathy and antipathy. 
They, that's that's what people don't get, is that they cloud their windshield with all this uh, emotive content that they have. And and if you want to become clear, as in like clairvoyant, uh, that's all counter to to that striving is is getting uh, judgmental, you know. And and we all do it. I mean, sure. Walk into a parking lot, somebody walks by, and you'll give yourself some kind of comment about their hat or what oh yeah i do it in the, if there's someone in the like i I live in a building with like i don't know 200 units and when i just see someone in the i i have just based on nothing you know i'm just i go in because i've i i literally just like the gyms i've just decided the gym is mine based on i'm a 32 year old man and i'm just like the gym's mine like i go to the gym I work out, and whenever I see someone else in there, my the first thought in my head, based on I can be having the best day, it can just be like a, a kind old man or a, a sweet young, the first thought in my head is like, who the fuck's this? <laughs> and I have to catch myself, and I'm like, hey, will you shut up? Like, I have to like, strike myself down. Like, yeah, you, so. Well, what yeah. is that? Yeah. Yeah, and so that's, uh, in theosophy, in Sanskrit, they would use the terminology kama rupa. That's the desire vehicle, comma, desire, mm. rupa means vehicle. And that's what, what we need to transform to get to the next, uh, where it's transforming that comma rupa into the spiritual soul. And, uh, but in order to do that, we're in the fifth post-Atlantean period within uh, the study of spiritual science. So yeah, the procession of the equinox is 25,920 years and 2,160 years per age. And this equates back to the, really the human heartbeat and breathing rhythm. So if somebody complains, well, it's not exactly the same as the astronomical figures. Well, no, there's that kind of lag distortion of the material realm. The real important number relationship is to your heart and lung rhythm right so you take on average twenty five thousand nine hundred twenty breaths in a day okay figure it out yeah. your your heart beats around 72 and one degree procession of the equinox is 72 years right yeah and so that's what we're looking at that the macrocosm microcosm relationship and it's it's a cosmic Christianity, basically. I think a book you would really like, and it, I had the author on. He's a really cool guy, and I need to I need to read the book again because it was fascinating. It's uh, the Yugas by, and I I mean I know you're aware of the Yuga. I don't mean that the way he wrote the book though is very fascinating by uh, Joseph Selby, and uh, pretty young guy, but the book is fascinating, and I really do need. I do need to read it again because like we were saying earlier about simplicity, I can describe things about like the cold war or podcasting simply because I understand it. you know, I can, I can tell you all about weightlifting because I understand it. I realize when I'm vocalizing now, the fact that I can't put it into simple words means I don't understand it well enough, but that was, that was a really, I, I need to go back and read that again. Yeah. Well, that brings up an interesting point because if you start to study esoteric studies, you'll find that that uh, in the West that there are only really three primary sources for the the mysteries of time, 
and that's Madame Blavatsky's secret doctrine, the work of Gus Steiner, and the Transcendental Universe by C.G. Harrison. He was an independent high church Anglican uh, Rosicrucian, and he wrote a few books. And, and that's lacking in most, you know, like if you get into like the traditionalists and all that, it's very brief mention of the ages and all that. They don't really give you the mysteries of time. But it's important to understand, Rudolf Steiner had said that through the ascension and resurrection of Christ, what he, one of the th most important things that he left us is uh, that he gave us back the mysteries of time. And so to be able to understand and unlock the principles of metamorphosis involved in human evolution. That's uh, a really a key uh, quest within the tradition of spiritual science or anthroposophy as it's called uh, Rudolf Steiner's work. And so getting to understand the sequence of uh, going back to the Stone Age with the old Indian period and then 2160 years of that and then the ancient Persian age with the original Zarathustra and then after that, the Egypto-Chaldean Babylonian period of, you know, the high, high Egyptian culture and all of, all of that. And then it goes to the Greco-Roman period. And then in 1413, 1414 AD, we make the transition into our current modern age of what he called the consciousness soul. And it's our mission to transform the consciousness soul from just being like this uh, abstract, uh, rational consciousness to be able to develop the spiritual faculties to transform it into the spiritual soul in preparation for the sixth post-Atlantean period. And that that would be a time in which people will be more concerned for others than they are for themselves. But you know, you can see right now that we're in the age of uh, the fifth post-Atlantean period, an age of egoism and just, you know, look what I did, look what I got, give me some more. I mean, even like the, the big hero was was Donald Trump and he's like, look what I got. That's, that's, that, that's that thing and that, that's a real problem, but at least he was in support of freedom. See, and that's the key because if you don't have the freedom, it, the Christ impulse has to do with coming to it out of, the, out of your own free will and accord. It's not something like do it or we're going to chop your head off. Yeah, love me right? or I'll kill you. Yeah, yeah right. So it's, it's the mysteries of love and the mysteries of time. And it includes a path of wonder, awe, and reverence. And it's just, it's just wonderful, actually. But the... And we got, we got to wrap this up in a couple yeah, of minutes. But yeah, I was thinking about just like the like the ironic dichotomy of my own daily life. I don't know if that's the right word, dichotomy, where I'll go from, you know, as soon as I, I, I wake up, I immediately go to the gym, go to the gym to the sauna, sauna to a cold shower, cold shower to meditation, meditation to podcast. And during that meditation, and I'd, I'd go through the, the hot of the workout and the sauna to the cold shower, and I'm just... Oh, it, just, it feels better than any drug. Just feeling great, sitting down in made bed, sitting on the pillow, twenty minutes, just go inwards. And there's just always these. Takes like ten minutes. They just just start to get these waves of it's gonna be okay. Everything is going. 
you know, whenever I just look back over the last three years of this podcast, like the pieces fall like a Swiss watch, the pieces fall into place. God's looking out for you. So long as you do it with love, do it with honesty, do it with integrity, acknowledge your own faults, acknowledge your mistakes, try to, you know, be aware of the ego and it's just, it's going to keep working. And then it always surprises me and I can never see what the next thing is coming. But when it comes, I'm never surprised. I'm like, that's God. And it's just like, it's going to be okay. And then the well, that, second, well, I was going to say, and then the second I get out of that mindset and I do a podcast, I'm like, how the fuck is this thing going to work? It's never going to make money. I'm so screwed. I'm going to be on the streets. And it's just like, I just go from this, like, God's like, you're going to be okay. I'm like, thank you. I am so fucked. It's <laughs> just without a second thought. I just well, it goes back to there's a line in, in Goethe's Faust. He says, uh, two souls, alas, dwell within my breast." Right, and that's that whole idea of there's that that spiritual striving, and then there's the dragon, you know, and that that the dragon wants to inhale the universe. You know, they want they want to have it all. Bring it on. I think maybe the funniest example of this is because you put me in touch with Roseanne Barr and I was a little over a year ago and I was on the phone with my friend and I had been trying to get in touch with her and she said that she was going to call me and I was like, well, I'm not going to harass her. It's, it's Roseanne Barr. Like I'm just lucky to talk to her and like a couple days went by or whatever. Yeah. You know, I just figured it was a dead end and I was talking to my friend and I was like, I, I was literally saying the sentence I just feel like the podcast isn't going to succeed. I feel like I'm never going to get bigger guests. And then I started to get a, an incoming call. And I said, oh, hold on. Roseanne Barr is calling me. <laughs> and he said, listen to the sentence you just said. <laughs> and I thought it was a funny thing. that you, you might enjoy that story. I probably yeah. should have told you that a year ago. But it was something you were directly involved in. And yeah. it, it always works. The The graces keep coming. But it's terrifying. And maybe that maybe that's I think maybe that is just it I guess it wouldn't be as special if there wasn't fear. Right? It's I think that's what faith yeah, is. Yeah, that you get to see what, what your your limitations are, right? Well, well, it's also like free love or not free love, free will and love. We talked the other night on the phone. Like if, if we didn't have free will, us loving God would mean nothing to God. Like, oh, cool. I made a puppet. You know, I don't think faith really means a whole lot. If I knew for a fact this was going to succeed. I think faith comes from I don't know where the next bump in subscribers is coming from. I don't know who the next big guest I'm going to get is. It wouldn't be faith if I knew it all. Like, oh, 91 days from today, I get, you know, President Trump comes on my, like, that's not, it's not faith. Faith is when you don't actually know if the parachute's going to open. Yeah. (laughs) There's a, there's a a wonderful uh, paragraph. Uh, I want to read part of it. It's, it's coming out of Rudolph's time. It's not an exact, it's kind of a conflation of things that came out of uh, a few different places. But he says, we must eradicate from the soul all fear and terror of what comes towards us out of the future. We must acquire serenity in all feelings and sensations about the future. We must look forward with absolute equanimity to everything that may come. And we must think only that whatever comes is given to us by a world directive full of wisdom. 
It is part of what we must learn in this age, namely, to live out of pure trust, without any security in existence, trust in the ever-present help of the spiritual world. Truly nothing else will do if our courage is not to fail us. Let us seek the awakening from within ourselves every morning and evening. And so that basically... That was perfect. That sums up that was perfect. the way I, I try to point my compass. You know, that's... that's that, what was, that was perfect. That yeah. was... Yeah, I'll email it to you so you. Please, can, no, please, please do. I it's mean, powerful because you know, there isn't yeah. anything more important than being able to get that whole idea of equanimity because that's basically what Christ is. What does that? Is what does that mean? Show us. What does equanimity mean? Well, in balance, okay. equal. To, to 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 be in the equal position between, it's uh, you know you have what Rudolf Steiner talks about the opposing forces of Lucifer and Araman. Araman, the spirit of materialism or satanic, and Lucifer that he's like the light bringer, but it's the selfish false light. It's not that I am the way, the truth, and the life light of Christ. It's he, because he's only a bearer, he reflects that light, Lucifer does. Christ is the light. You know, there's a big difference. And so in being able to come into a a balanced relationship between those two extremes, because Lucifer is going to tell you, oh, this is all just a dream. Don't worry about it. And and, uh, Armand's going to say, oh, that's just a bunch of hallucinations. Right. And so you have between these these two guys that are it's their job to tempt you and get you to to lose your way. It's good cop, bad cop, but they're both. Yeah, bad. and and but but Christ is infinitely more powerful. But you have to ask. You have to choose. Yeah, you have yeah. to choose, and you have to you have to right. And you have to have the freedom, or or the the values. Or, or, or the values, fucking nothing. It doesn't matter. You've already seen yeah. the end of the movie. It's no, it's no big deal to be a, a really well behaved marionette. No, it's it, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, congratulations to the craftsman that made it, but that's all it is. Is it's a. Yeah, you're not. There's no part of it that's surprising, but it's yeah. Whereas the demons tempt you, and they want to call. It almost it's it's almost you can almost go along the same lines of like rape. It's non consensual, versus <laughs> you have to. And I'm trying to. I'm not trying to. I'm genuinely not trying to make light of rape, but that's what it, it's non consensual. It's it's constant temptation, and it's yeah. The, yeah, but there. But see, if you get into like say Goethe's Faust, and where he ends up Faust ends up signing an agreement with Mephistopheles and he signs it in blood mm. and, and Gert, you know, blood is a very singular fluid, right? And, and that, that you have to acquiesce to evil for it to, to really gain a strong foothold. You have you, to agree. It's going to, it's going to try to come in. It's going to bang on it's your gonna, door. It's going to, it's going to bang on your door really hard, but, but you have like, to open do, it. Well, Douglas used to be, he used to be an exorcist, right? And he was trained in the church to be an exorcist, like he says. And uh, that in all cases of of true uh, demonic possession, that it was voluntary. Yeah. Okay. That these people, uh, and they don't have to like really make the decision in that way, but that they, they give themselves over to the evil and that, gives access to these demonic forces. Whereas, 
And he's been an exorcism with stuff flying around the room yeah. and all that stuff you see in the movies. I mean, he, he could tell you the people that are in the movies, who's it's based on and yeah. about when he met them, you know, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, this, he's, he really is that, you know, and, and so, uh, but I have no fear of any of that because I, I've dedicated myself to uh, this in humility completely because it's all I, all I can assure you is that the, the deeper you get into this, the more humble you get. I mean, I'll think, just think that I got something all figured out and then they'll release a new translation of Steiner lectures. I'll look and realize right, right, yeah. I'm inside out and backwards. Upside on down, your pants are around your ankles. They're on backwards. Your glasses are on <laughs> your glasses are on your ass cheeks. And you're like, Whoa. Yeah. And so that's the beauty. So there's always more I can do, you know, yeah. and, and I love that because uh, I mean, come on, like you were saying on your on your podcast, I was just watching this morning, you know, it's like when you get into understanding who's running these things. I mean, you know, like Jeff Bezos said, you yeah. know, his father and grandfather from DARPA. Yeah. You know? And then you, then you go into the guy over at, at Amazon and, uh, uh, well, that's Bezos, but you get it. You follow all these people down, I and mean, we've done a lot of work, by the way. I should mention American intelligence media that I'm associated with. That's Douglas Gabriel and his wife, Tyla. And then there's Michael McKibben with Americans for Innovation. He was the real inventor of social media. I know. I've tried and, to get him on here several times. Yeah, it's you just haven't been able to coordinate. I should be able to help you with that. But he's, wow, he's, he's something else. You know, it's like, what have you done? Well, you know, geez, social media, yeah. Yeah, you know, so, and and that is what, and plus he also took a band all over uh, Europe and went into Russia when the Iron Curtain was still up, uh, converting people, bringing people back to Christ through music, you know, I mean, you know, and he had to deal with Putin when Putin was was a KGB officer in St. Petersburg. Climbing the ladder. uh, we, I should let you go, shouldn't I? Don't no, I was going to say, no, no, yeah, other guests just entered the room. So, um, yeah, we'll wrap this one up. Please send me that Steiner quote. Um, please. Yes, please, I will do that. If you could, because I have tried before and kind of dead end. If you could try to get McKibben again. Um, yeah. Um, that would be awesome. But I'll put the link to your uh, to your YouTube channel in the description. Go follow him. And um, I'll send this to you when it's up later today. And uh, you and I will chat on Monday. Yeah, sounds good. All right, brother. All love right. you, John. Take care. Yeah, God bless too, everybody. Yeah, find, take care. Find, find Christ. Find the